Thank you for tuning in to episode six of That's Business Podcast. Today we have a very fun and interesting guest today. We have Justine Bennett. She's the founder of Oliver's Foundation, an animal welfare nonprofit to fund proactive programs that prevent Metro Detroit's animals from entering shelters. She's the product development manager and founder of Oliver's Beer Biscuits, a sustainable pet treat company that repurposes ingredients to make healthy products for pets. And because that's not enough, she's the product launch manager at Smart Pet Love. Now, Justine, I met through the Royal Oak Chamber of Commerce. She's become a really great friend of mine, and I appreciate you agreeing to this. So thank you. Yeah, of course. It's always uh, fun to talk. So yeah, no worries. She said, and I quote, I'm always down to bullshit. I would love to be on. So I loved it. <laughs> so just to start, I mean, you have three jobs right now because you're crazy, but tell us a little bit about yourself because I think my jaw dropped when I first met you and you went through all that you do. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> so my background is in nutrition and food science. I have a bachelor's in uh, that from Madonna University. Um, God, let's see. From there, I've uh, worked at a hospital, retirement home, um, and then that led into a very weird segue of managing a company that my parents own, an automotive collision shop. Nice. Um, <clears throat> during that time frame, I uh, started to get uh, really, I guess bored is a good way of putting it, of not really utilizing what my background was, which um, led to Oliver's Beer Biscuits. Um, my fiance had started making beer at home. Mm-hmm. Oliver, our dog, um, decided he was very interested in what was going into making the beer, um, which led to sustainable dog treats by repurposing spent grains from breweries. Mm-hmm. Oh, from there, a minute later, we, uh, of course, got pretty heavily involved with a lot of Metro Detroit rescues and shelters, and we tried to come up with the way that we could make the best impact for them outside of just throwing dog treats and money and such at them, which led to Oliver's foundation. And uh, a few months ago, I reached out to Angela because I decided it was time to uh, make a little bit of a change. And almost three months ago now, I started a job as the product launch manager at a company called Smart Pet Love that makes the snuggle puppy. So yeah. Jeez. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> let's where where do we want to start there's so much to start with let's so, unpack that let's do it so what was kind of your thought of why you identified or was it you identified in the market like these um shelters need help or what was kind of your i guess motivation or drive to start a foundation sure um well you know we when we started oliver's a rescue dog um, Oliver mm-hmm. came from a humane society after someone had abandoned him when he was about six to nine months old. Um, you know, so we wanted to try to make sure that the organizations that were able to do things as amazing as what the organization we got Oliver from um, can continue doing their work. But also there started to become a reoccurring theme where it was like trying to uh, put duct tape over a dam, a leaky dam. which was what led us to believe that maybe it would be better to focus on more prevention so 
that was when we started to look into more spay and neuter programs and microchipping. And that's when we realized that it's not a very sexy thing for most people to give money to. No? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, <laughs> adopting an animal is a much easier thing to spend money on than giving shots to an animal someone already owns. Um, that's true. Yep. So we decided it was important to try to help change that narrative. Um, there is a lot of preconceived notions that people believe that just because somebody is going through a rough patch financially or, you know, a low income community that they love their pets any less than anyone else. And I mean, from uh, volunteering at clinics in Detroit, I can tell you that that could not be farther from the truth. So primarily how the foundation started but yeah and we had we've had a great group of people to help support that and um you know over the last god two and a half years now it's it's we've been very pleased with how things have been going so yeah so these prevention measures who are are you kind of like working with these shelters to say like where can we help or are you being more the education piece or how does that work we try to do a little bit of both um i mean we we realize that there's no need to reinvent the wheel. I mean, shelters right. do what they do amazingly well. And a big part of that is creating community contacts. So shelters have a very good way of, um, particularly rescues, have a very good way of making it known that if someone needs help, I mean, you can come to ask for help with no judgment. And sometimes that that help is that you need to surrender an animal. And, you know, I mean, we've all been through crappy situations in life. So we realized that what if what we could do was to encourage them to develop ways to keep those pets with their families as much as possible. If those families, you know, love them unconditionally, support them however they can. We realized that if we could provide, you know, not just financial support, but also that educational support to say, hey guys, if you need help, this is where you can go. You know, hey guys, these resources exist. Don't feel bad that you need to get food from a pet food pantry or don't feel bad that you can't afford a $500 vet bill. Like a lot of people can't. Right. <laughs> so yeah, so we, we try to help however we can, which for us, a lot of that, especially since COVID started, has been funding. So yeah. Okay. What are, because I remember you did a presentation, I forget, I think it was at one of our, yeah, it was one of the chamber groups, but the statistics, and I don't know them off the top of my head, but Mm -hmm. you listed a whole bunch of statistics and I was like, I didn't know any of this. And I have a shelter dog and it was just, you know, so what are some of those staggering statistics that people need to know? Yeah. Um, Well, one example is that one unspayed female cat and her offspring can lead to over 400,000 additional cats in, I believe the number is seven years. Um, 400,000. Yep. You said that right? Right, yep. I heard that right? Yep. 400,000. Yep. Uh, one female cat can have, on average, 12 cats throughout a year. And then those cats, if they're not getting spayed or neutered, can go on and each have 12 more cats. So, yeah, it's, it's not great fun math to think about, but no. yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, so uh, TNR is a big thing that we like to uh, try and support, which we all know some cats don't want to live in a house and that's okay. Right. They just don't need to keep, uh, you know, trying to repopulate the earth. <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah, if you will. Um, wow. Yeah. Another one is uh, if a dog 
is not microchipped and gets lost. I believe I believe the percent is that there's less than a 15% chance of them making it back home. Oh, and that's if that animal is a cat, it's actually less than 2%. So yeah. So microchip your pets. Yes. <laughs> Make sure that microchip's up to date. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty wild to think about. So you said make sure your microchip is up to date. How often do those expire? What does that look like? So for example, if you move, if you change your phone number, if you stop looking at an old email address, um, there's a lot of microchip companies. So for example, um, if your dog gets picked up and rescue finds them and maybe the thing that they have isn't registered with the microchip company they use, sometimes they don't always show up. It's gotten a little bit better because most of the companies are all standardizing the equipment they're using. But yeah, it's it's another good reason why it's helpful to have tags on your dog. That's true. Yes. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think my microchip on Ruby is updated because we moved in the last few months since I got her. So yep. see, we're learning something more. I love that. Okay. So what came first? Was it the foundation first and then the pet treats? What, what came first? Dog treats came first um, because environmental sustainability is another big passion of mine. I also apologize for the crinkling and possible squeaking you're hearing in the background. My dog just got a new bark box. So, yeah. Very exciting. Yeah. River is loving it. But, um, yeah, so beer biscuits came first because, to be quite frank, I was just really tired of throwing away the grain that got used to make beer. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And then from there... You know, we had some people that kind of gave us the idea of like, you know, have you have you thought about creating something in a different capacity after I had expressed a lot of, I don't want to call it grievances, but complaints about how I can only buy so many t-shirts from so many dog rescues um, before right. I just don't have room in my closet for anything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. So dog treats first and then the foundation. Oh, I love that. Okay. So with the dog treats, I love sustainability because I love, I love what you do. And I will say Ruby, who's the picky shelter dog who doesn't like some treats. Like I had to take the bag away from her multiple times and that's out of character for her to go steal stuff from her little clock. Cause she's got a closet here, but what kind was it? I know you said with like the, um, wheat you were doing from your fiance's beer making at home but did you work with like local companies what was that kind of interaction like or was everyone like oh hell yeah we'll help you or how did that kind of go down yeah for sure so when we first got started obviously I mean as much as I'd love to sit around all day and drink beer you can only drink so much beer (laughs) that gets made at home um so yeah so just it's it's so funny because when I've had other friends tell me that they think about starting a company or starting something, they just don't know what to do and they're afraid no one's gonna help them. And right. I mean, the worst case, the worst thing someone can tell you is no. So we started sending out emails to local breweries, which Lord knows there's plenty of. And <laughs> true. At one point in time, I was picking up grains from three different places. Um, and once again, you know, it's something that's a waste material for them. So if they can't mm-hmm. find someone to take it, they have to pay the trash company to come pick it up. Um, oh, so you're doing them a favor. Yeah, that too. Saves them a little bit of money. Um, and then right. we eventually rotated that off into making a vegetable pulp treat. Because mm-hmm. same thing, there's a local juice company that had the same problem. If no one was picking up the 
And I mean, it's organic vegetable pulp. It's better vegetables than I'm eating on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah. Um, so and once again, I mean, it's just it, sometimes if you just ask, that's all you got to do. Shoot someone an email, send them an Instagram message, whatever it is. But yeah. Right. Yep. Well, what was the hardest part? Was it starting the foundation harder? What was, Which one was harder? Or both equally hard? They both the, had the big side she has. Yeah, they both had different parts that were difficult. So, okay. yeah, there's it is a squeaking. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, they both had different parts that were difficult. One second. I, I know, I know, this is loud though. Okay, all right. <laughs> Sorry about that. You're good. Recenter. Um. Yeah. So they they both had different parts that were pretty difficult. Um, sales is not my background. That was nothing to do with what anything I ever wanted to be involved in. But in reality, every company and every industry has some type of sales you end up involved in. Mm-hmm. So for me, that was a difficult thing to figure out, like, you know, what's the best way to connect with customers? What's the best way to create wholesale customers? That kind of thing. Um, which ironically, the breweries we were getting grain from were some of my best customers. So, yeah. Oh. Because they wanted to be able to share something with their customers' dogs. So Mm -hmm. it actually worked out really well. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. In regards to the foundation, I mean, I had no nonprofit experience. Oh, I didn't know that. No, I mean, outside of like, oh, yeah, I'll come and volunteer and help. Right. Whatever. Yeah, no, none, zero. Um, what I went to school for is something that a lot of organizations do have to write grants to be able to fund, which is kind of sad given how everyone eats food. Um, yes. <laughs> so that was the, the most experience I had with something in that capacity. Um, so yeah, Google is very helpful. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, there are also a lot of great local organizations like, for example, your local chamber of commerce mm-hmm. and, um, other nonprofit support groups that are very helpful when you want to make sure you're doing things correctly. Right. And you want to build contacts. Um, oh man. It's, it's certainly not been difficult to give money away, but, um, <laughs> never is right. You're like, Ooh, here we go. <laughs> no, no. Everyone's going to be surprised, but mm-hmm. the hardest part with the foundation I probably say is, finding people that are reliable to want to stay engaged with what your mission is. I love that. And I feel like you have such a, and I should have wore it today, but I wore it on my last podcast of my, my rescues, Detroit rescues Uh, sweatshirt. And I was like, Oh, I wore it the last podcast. So (laughs) I wore, I just wore the same outfit, but you guys have such like a repertoire of like, good things like I have beer glasses I have it's my favorite it's one of my favorite sweatshirts this is a second close one but you guys and you also have these events that you do which I am have been very impressed with so I know you have some coming up what mm-hmm. kind of events do you have going on yeah so on February 25th we are hosting our first annual sweetheart gala um, at the Royal Oak Farmers Market it will be uh, an annual event that we're trying to put on to really invite everybody out to have a great time. Um, Not so shockingly, a lot of the people that are coming are people that volunteer and um, support other rescues and shelters. Um, So yes, 
but we also um, are gearing up to start hosting a yearly um, fall festival to really be able to encourage people to uh, do things with their families and their pets. So yes. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, we like to do, we've done a few trivia nights at um, local breweries. You know, I mean, when, when you can find small businesses that care about the things that you care about, it, it makes being able to do stuff like that much easier. So, yes. It does. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Well, that's good. So, with that, what does a day in your life look like? Does everything change? Like, how, how are you juggling all of this? And sleeping and eating and have dogs of your own and a fiance and everything else? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, I mean, the fiance bit does help. Um, he is also my business partner. Uh, he is one of our board members. So yes. Um, it, I mean, having a great, I, I can't say enough positive things about, you know, my family and friends, um, you know, whatever it comes to, if I had to go to a event for an entire weekend, no problem. We had someone that could watch the dogs and we also have a cat, so can't forget about him. I always but, forget um, about your cat. Yeah. Yeah, he's forgets about some forgets about himself sometimes too. Um, you know, having having a digital calendar really helps uh, mm-hmm. to remember what you're supposed to do in a day, in a week, in a month. Um, right. But no, I mean we we have a great group um, with the foundation. You know, we have a great, very engaged board. Um, that. I mean, I can't even take credit for most of the event ideas that we come up with. That would be our events coordinator. Um, she's also the one that creates all of the fun merchandise items that uh, like your sweatshirt and such. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, my, my schedule over the last couple months has gotten a little more stable now that I have a, uh, a job I actually have to go to for 40 hours a week. Uh, <laughs> right. But, you know, I mean, you just make time when you can. Um, before I started this job, I'd come home from work and spend the afternoon making dog treats a couple days a week, probably spend my weekends either at a foundation event or at a, uh, beer festival selling dog treats. So yes, um, you kind of just, like I said, make time when you can, but yeah, okay. and try not to go insane. Try not to go insane. I love that piece of advice. Yeah. Do you ever, like, do you make it an effort to make time for yourself, do something? A few years ago, I would have told you no, and it was probably the worst thing that I did um, was to not make more time to, I mean, to to spend an afternoon just doing nothing or watching TV or whatever it is that you want to do. Um, So yeah, it uh, it it's very difficult to start a business or start a foundation when you're not taking time for yourself, right? And you're not enjoying your day. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yes. Ironically, COVID helped me realize that I really needed to like take a breath. Yes. Um, so I can't, you know, the first few months of COVID were actually kind of peaceful mm-hmm. <laughs> for me in you a good for- way. You were forced to, right. Everything yeah. was shut down. So you were forced e- to, right. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that I did not do when I started very well that I've gotten mm-hmm. a lot better about. But um, yeah, I mean, you get burned out very easily if you don't. Right. So yeah. That you do. So when you, earlier when you were talking about yourself and you said you worked for your family's company for what was going to be temporary, 
didn't end up being temporary, but how was that decision difficult to get this new job or what did, what kind of went into that? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so the company that my parents started, I grew up in, it's an right. industry that I don't care very much about. <laughs> so, I don't um, you. so that's one bit. Uh, so yeah, it, uh, it's also an industry that has a, a extreme employment crisis and it did before COVID and it right. will continue to for a long time. Um, you know, so it's great to be able to hang out with your family every day, as long yes. as you're all getting along that day. So mm-hmm. yes, that's a big thing. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, the, the, the job I had when I worked there taught me so many things. Um, mm-hmm. you know, honestly, it taught me a lot of what it takes to start a business, which is, oh, okay. I definitely attribute to, you know, being able to start Oliver's and not feel like I was drowning. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But over the last few years, I uh, obviously really pivoted from uh, starting out trying to get involved in a human nutrition capacity. And now I'm responsible for launching dog and cat products for a, a company. So, you know, once, once Oliver started and the foundation really took off, um, you know, I realized that my passion was not, you know, um, where I was at. Mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, talk, my parents are phenomenal and I love them very much, but talk about an awkward having to give your notice situation. Yes, very much so. <laughs> But at the same time, once again, my parents were very supportive. Um, the opportunity that I got, you know, I mean, I, I can't say enough um, positive things about what it's, you know, been able to teach me already. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it makes the decision a lot easier when you really don't care about people getting into car accidents. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did your parents take it? Were they... Were they supportive? How did that go? Um, they were supportive. I mean, uh, I will call my parents not very technically inclined. Mm-hmm. So I think that was their biggest um, stress point was, oh, my God, we have to figure out how to use a computer. <laughs> <laughs> yep. My, but, my dad. My dad was very much still has never texted, never used a computer. So I feel that to my core. Yeah. But uh, fortunately, I mean, I can still go in here and there to help them out with stuff, which has helped alleviate the stress that they had when the transition started substantially. Um, You know, so it's been it's been a slow transition. I still will not say that I don't go in there ever. Right. Um, So, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's they were. They were bummed, but very excited for me. Right. Oh, I love that. No, because I've had a lot of people that talk about like, well, I've been working for my family company, but it's not really what I want to do. It's not really where I wanted to be, not what I went to college for. Mm -hmm. And they just feel stuck with that. Ah, yes. I love love that you got out and did what you wanted to do. So that's amazing. But how did you find this new job? Was it... What did you use? Did they reach out to you? How did that go down? Oh, gosh. Well, after I had Angela make my resume look beautiful. I'm fishing um, for compliments here, guys, obviously. No. 
Now I know what the podcast is all about. Yep, I just wanted um, to say how great I am. Oh. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I had done a lot of looking around, but mm-hmm. I was being very particular that I wanted to stay in product development. Um, right. And I wanted to be in this industry. So, right. you know, I, I looked at LinkedIn a bit. LinkedIn's a little bit of a mess. It's a weird, it's a weird place to look for a job. It is. Yes. Um, I found this job on Indeed. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I had once, honestly, once I updated my LinkedIn with my new fancy resume, um, you know, I had gotten phone calls from recruiters and this industry is um, not, not commonly in the area that we live in. Everything mm-hmm. I got for product development was either an auto manufacturer or some engineering company, right. which was the last thing I wanted to do. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I had applied to this. They got back with me immediately after I applied. And I think it was a week later, they made me an offer. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I've, I found it on Indeed. I had a couple other people reach out to me on LinkedIn about um, positions that they were hiring for, but, you know, just like everybody else, it either didn't pay very well or didn't have benefits or whatever it was. And Right. Yeah. Because I love, I one of the reasons I wanted you on here was because you're in a very unique industry and everyone's like, I love dogs, I love dogs, and, I'm, <laughs> and I, I have a client that I love that you talk to and she was super excited, so thank you for that, but... Yeah. It's, it's so funny because when I tell people this, I had another client last night. I'm like, you can get like, what products are you um, like obsessed with? What do you really like? What are you into? I mean, if you're into sustainability, if you're, you love dogs, like there's literally, it's set up the same way as every other organization, as automotive, as, you know, IT tech, software as a service. And people don't realize that like you're yeah. a product launch manager, which this, I could see why you got called for a lot of automotive jobs, but um yeah. It's so interesting to me. I love that. Yeah. Well, and you know, honestly, I I tell people this all the time that because I I do get a lot of people that ask me how you get into this industry. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, uh, most animal rescues and animal shelters and animal welfare groups are usually pretty well connected with some type of pet company because they normally are donating to them. Mm -hmm. And I will also remind people that nonprofits are businesses. Obviously, yeah. it's not their job. Their their primary focus is not to make revenue; it's to make change. Um, but they do still employ people, <laughs> right? They do. Yes. Exactly. It's wild. So yeah. Or even the products at pet stores. Like, there's how many different food brands? Oh there's how many God. different toys and everything? And that's where I had told a, a current client, I'm like look at what your dogs play with and what you think is like a really good product offering and then go to their website and see what they are. Or, or like my pet store, go to Premier Pet Store, Pet Supplies, love them. Uh, yes. And they know, they know Ruby. They don't know my name. They know Ruby though. And it's like, those are the people you want to connect with because they're the connections of with the vendors and whoever else and everyone bringing it in. But And they also normally have to have a product person. This right. is, there's every layer of this industry has to employ people. Making it, physically designing it, selling it, marketing it, every part of it. Right. No, yeah. I, I think I follow Chewy on um, TikTok oh, or I think one of those. And they like they went through all their failed product designs. And it's still like the same concept like they do for 
a part in a car or like whatever that is. So I find it really interesting. I love that. Yeah. What's been your biggest shock when owning? I always like, I don't know why I always trip over words of like owning a business. Cause I, I like to say the nonprofit is a business too. So sure. you're two businesses, but what's been the biggest shock or surprise to you? It's a good question. Um, I think how little people think they know about how a business operates or how a nonprofit operates when in reality, I mean, it's not like it's a secret society that you have to join to figure out how something operates. And right. I mean, nowadays when, when we were thinking about starting the business, I spent a couple of months just reading articles on like the small business administration website mm-hmm. and don't get me wrong. I mean, sure. If you have a, an MBA or something, it's kind of like a fast track to how to get to kind of where you want to be. But I mean, most, most gigantic companies were started by less than two people, you know, I mean, right. got to start somewhere. Yes. So, you know, once again, I mean, talk to like, <sighs> I always tell people that if you just ask, I mean, one example is that breweries, yeah, they're, they're technically competing with each other. They're in the same industry, but every day you turn around and one brewery's teaming up with another brewery who's teaming up with another brewery. I mean, same with the pet industry. You'll see a lot mm-hmm. of crossover between different brands and different stores. And it's just... I think everyone has the idea that business is still this crazy dog eat dog world. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't think it's quite as competitive as everyone makes it out to be. <laughs> no. Well, and that's the thing too, is like, there's five, I don't even know. I'm going to exaggerate. Like there's so many resume writers. There's so many people that have foundations. There's so many people that have dog treats. There's everything else is out there. Like yes. no one's denying that, but yeah. Your circle, like, I feel like you have a very large circle. You are very impressive with everything you have and for being younger. Like, we're both younger and having businesses, mm-hmm. but you kill it. Your marketing's great. You have your answers. You are who you are, and you're not, you're unapologetically yourself, which I love. And you're never, the, you're like, oh, this is what we do. And I'm like, <laughs> I want to buy. I love it. I'm so excited. But, and I think, and I feel you're very well connected and you really put yourself out there and you have this board on Oliver's foundation that is just as passionate as you. And you're this like, like you, you're a very diverse personalities on it, which I love that you all come in for the common good, but you are all very different. And I think that's what makes you guys very successful. Yes. And I, I, I will say once again, I think that's another thing that a lot of people don't realize is that it's so important to surround yourself frequently with people that are not exactly the same as you. <laughs> right. Because um, I mean, if you're not being challenged um, outside of whatever your opinion is, then you're going to end up in trouble. You are. You're, you'll just stay stagnant and nothing will change. And yes. the yeah. old way of thinking of like, I don't like, you know, I always make fun of my dad. I'm like, you could streamline so much and you just choose not to just to revert back to that. But <laughs> it's like, don't be stuck in your ways. Know what you know and know what you don't know. Yep. And it's perfectly okay to admit that you need help with something and to sometimes just pay someone or hire someone to do that. Yeah. Because they probably know how to do it better than you do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. I love it. But 
Well, Justine, it's been such a pleasure as always to have you on here, but for two more, a few more questions, how can we, first of all, support you myself, listeners? Well, um, a big thing, of course, as with any nonprofit, you can go to oliversfoundation.org to make a donation. We're also always looking for volunteers to help out during events or to help spread our message. Um, so you can always email us also at info at oliversfoundation.org. Um, but yeah, follow us on social, Instagram, Facebook, the whole thing. The whole so, thing. Yeah. I love it. Perfect. And you already answered my next one of where we can find you. But you well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Guys, follow yes. Justine and the mission and all the wonderful things. And if you ever want more scary statistics of how much animals need help. It's crazy. I think I walked out of the presentation crying, but it's fine. So thank you again and tune in next week. If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, the Resume Rescue can help. Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone, but here at the Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. Whether it's changing careers, updating a resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.